0: Hello and welcome to wmq and the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grote. This week, we're talking with writer Christopher Sabella, who's got a couple cool new image series coming out later this year, uh, Crowded, uh, and uh, Shanghai Red. So We're going to talk about those series, uh, the Johnny Blaze one-shot he just put out for Marvel. Uh, we're going to talk about coffee shop dogs and uh, what makes a good coffee shop dog, or if they're all good dogs. Uh, spoiler alert, they're all good dogs, really. Uh, we talk about whether Lost holds up, and uh, toxic fandom kind of go all over the place. So uh, it's a good interview. Um, it's con season in New Jersey. We've talked about this. Uh, I actually just got back from the first day of Garden State Comic Fest, a new con in Atlantic City. It's a really good show, and uh, it's a really good show because somebody finally came into the city and put on a jersey style con you know it's a lot of you know your your sort of legend creators you know uh, Keith Giffen was here Jim Steranko uh, Kevin Eastman those kinds of guys you know a few media guests we had uh, Eric Roberts and uh, Summer Glau um Sat in on Summer's panel. She's uh, incredibly sweet, you know. Uh, talked about Firefly, which uh, of course is you know something the the fans wanted. And uh, I just you know it was a good show, and I hope it comes back next year. Uh, next weekend we're going to Camden Comic Con, and I talked to their showrunner uh, or one of their showrunners, Bill Haas, uh, for a little bit. Um, I'll have that audio up hopefully next week. Um, you know, talking about. Kind of some of the behind the scenes work and uh, what goes into putting on a show like that. Uh, it's a free con, actually, a very uh, academic, community orient- oriented show uh, sponsored by Rutgers Camden. And their big guest uh, next week is going to be Gail Simone. Uh, super excited to meet Gail. I hope I get to spend some time talking with her. We'll see. Um, you know, uh, Domino is coming out this week from Marvel and Exiles. Uh, a couple of big releases, which uh, I write about on the site. Um, also got to say goodbye to Donny Cates' Thanos which uh, you know that's that's kind of sad but uh, he's sticking around you know he's got Venom coming out and uh, Marvel just announced a Cosmic Ghost Rider mini which if you're not familiar with the Cosmic Ghost Rider concept it is Frank Castle the Punisher as a Ghost Rider in space in the far future who apparently for a time was a Herald of Galactus that's crazy that, that's crazy stuff um, so definitely check that stuff out. Um, you know, go to wmqcomics.com and uh, read some of the stories we got going on right now. Uh, we're in the middle of looking at. Uh, we're doing our tribute to the non Marvel Cinematic Universe, Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we've got friends of the site pitching in stories about movies like Punisher War Zone and Fantastic Four, the 2005 one, and uh, we got Howard the Duck coming down the pike just did one about the Doctor Strange TV movie from 1978, uh, you know, kind of just looking back on those projects and, and how they kind of paved the way for the, the the shared universe that we have today. So check all that stuff up, and uh, now listen to me and Chris. My guest today writes heartthrob for Oni, Cold War for Aftershock, just put out a Johnny Blaze workshop for Marvel, and has two series coming in soon at Image. It's Christopher Sabella. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, as a random aside, before we get into the meat of things, uh, your personal website, uh, ChristopherSavella.com, is gorgeous. Uh, who gets, who oh, gets the credit for that? Because I know you have that's, a background in graphic design.
1: That's me, yeah. Uh, me and Squarespace. Uh, hopefully they'll give me a discount because I mentioned them on your podcast. Uh, but yeah, it's just uh, – uh, yeah, it's about as good as I can do graphic design-wise. Uh, so thank you for liking it.
0: Yeah, no, it it, it seriously does look great. Um, we're talking the day after your uh, Ghost Rider one shot came out, and people seem to really be digging it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm still uh, a little bit in shock. I guess, uh, like you know, I I never know how this stuff is going to go over, especially stuff you know with like a character as big as Ghost Rider. So I was uh, kind of pleasantly surprised that like everybody seemed super into it.
0: You were just at Image Expo last month, and uh, you've got two books coming out from them this year. The first is Shanghai Red with Joshua Hickson and uh, Hassan Asman Elhow, and later Crowded with uh, Rose Stein, Ted Brandt, and Triona Farrell. Uh, first, for people who've never been, how does Image Expo compare with, say, you know, a regular con like Emerald City or Rose City, or is there no comparison because it's so centered on, on one publisher?
1: Yeah, there's really no comparison. Like, it's it's a you know, it's a one day event. It lasts from about what like 10 to five. Um, it's a v- pretty small event, you know, it's, um, uh, yeah, it's just like a very sort of like, I don't know. And it's just so calm. Um, like it does not compare to any con because like at all times, everything felt like, except for the moment I had to like get up and do my presentation, it felt, you know, just like I was just like hanging out somewhere in my town. Um, and that just so happened to have like a bunch of comics fans there and other pros. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's an, it's a neat event. And, uh, I think like if you're into image books, uh, it's a, it's a good, like one day way to sort of dip in and dip out. Um, especially cause you know, they were doing signings and like Todd McFarlane was signing. So, you know, uh, I saw a lot of people like bringing their uh, their whole like backgrounds of Spawn to get signed, um, which like is pretty awesome. Like I think it's hard to get Todd, you know, corner Todd at a show anywhere. So um, I think for those dudes especially, it was super worth it.
0: Um, do you get do you get to log a lot of, you know, FaceTime with sort of the, the, the founders or, you know, like uh, Eric Stevenson or, or Todd or, or Liefeld or,
1: or um, Rob Kirkman while you're there? Um, yeah, Todd and I got on really well for some reason, for whatever reason, Todd, uh, was sort of, uh, was my buddy that day and I'd never met him before, but he was just like, um, like he came up to me and he's like, Hey, I see that we're on a panel together, Chris. So, uh, any, any tough questions that come along, I'm going to, I'm going to lob them your way. Um, and then later on he came up to me and he's like, you have the coolest picture in the entire like image expo book. Um, and it was just super, and I was just like, this is, this is Todd McFarlane. Like this is the guy who created spawn and he's like, you know, um, talking to me like we're equals, uh, like that was super weird. And then, yeah, at one point like Kirkman was sitting next to me on the couch. Um, and I had run into him at New York comic con and I gave him a copy of my, my clown motel zine. And, uh, Uh, I was like, Hey, Robert, I just want to give you a copy of the stupidest thing I ever made. Um, and then, yeah, when we were sitting on the couch, he's like, he's like, you know what? I read that thing. Um, and he's like, you know, I I think a lot about sometimes like going out and getting a part-time job, you know, sort of like doing something that, you know, refresh your experiences as a writer. And he's like, and then I read your zine and I was like, no, I'm good. Um, so (laughs) So, yeah, I was like, uh, yeah, I mean, everybody was on an even playing field, which was, you know, it's it's hard to get that at a con or really anywhere else, because, you know, like Robert Kirkman's a much bigger deal than me. But, you know, in that room downstairs when we were all kind of waiting to go up and do our announcements, like we were all just comics people and it was pretty cool.
0: That's awesome. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Shanghai Red. Uh, You're a fairly recent transplant to Portland, right? You've moved there in like the last few years.
1: Uh, 2010. Yeah.
0: Okay. And uh, so Shanghai Red's kind of built as a, as a revenge tale that explores the use of the tunnels underneath the city to transport unwilling ship laborers in the late 1800s. Uh, how soon did you move to the city before you know you kind of started researching its, its history and developing this project?
1: Um, it wasn't until 2014. That was when uh, I went on a tour of the Shanghai tunnels with. Jordy Belair and Declan Shalvey, who were in town because of Emerald City and Jordi and I really wanted to go because we're both kind of ghost nerds so yeah. there's a lot of talk about the tunnels being haunted so we went for that reason but yeah uh it's about a uh, 45 minute long tour and when we came out like I had the idea in my head I at least like I had the first five pages already in my head and I knew what I wanted to do. So, uh, so yeah, from there it was just that, that's when my research started and, you know, was sort of digging into what Portland used to be back in the 1890s. And, uh, cause Portland nowadays, you know, is like, uh, looks nothing like Portland then. And, and so much of our, uh, you know, we're still like a big sort of, uh, overseas-based uh shipping center but it's not as in your face as it was back in the day um and i just thought it was a really interesting time period because it's it's not the old west anymore but it's not the era where cars are everywhere so it's sort of this weird in-between period where the new age is about to arrive but everybody's still you know, like cities are starting to pop up and people are moving to them. And it's, yeah, it was just felt like a weird sort of negative zone of history. And I thought, uh, the more I explored about Portland, the more I was like, yeah, I think this is a, you know, it was kind of my way of paying Portland back, I guess, of being like, thank you for taking me in and giving me a career in comics. I'm going to make a book about uh, people getting murdered inside of you. <laughs>
0: um, you know beyond beyond the tour obviously um you know how how much kind of research were you doing with this project it seems like you know in just doing my own sort of cursory cursory glancing there's dispute not i mean not about whether the practice of shanghai shanghaiing people was real that absolutely was but what, how like how involved the tunnels were in the process
1: yeah yeah and you know i i'd say like most people come down on the side of that the tunnels weren't uh involved in shanghai and i'm i'm kind of one of those people um and i address that in the book to some degree uh but you know portland was the kind of town where you didn't have to use tunnels like you could literally just like carry a body down the street uh to a boat and drop them off and nobody was going to stop you and be like hey what are you doing uh it was just it had become sort of an accepted practice and you know the the uh, city government sort of looked the other way and cops kind of looked the other way. So there wasn't really a need for the tunnels for that. But but the tunnels were also still like a home for, for crime. Um, you know, the Chinese gangs set up down there and they set up like brothels and opium dens and stuff and used them as escape routes when the police came. So they had the tunnels all rigged with traps and stuff to help them get away. So there was still... A lot of crime to it Um, and I yeah it was just like you know I I feel like since it's not established 100% one way or the other that there was enough wiggle room in history that I could use the tunnels in this context and I'd still be okay
0: yeah no absolutely Um, the other book you have coming out is crowded which is about crowdfunded assassinations Via yes. app, which sounds like a like an awesome concept. Um how'd you get your team together for that one and how long did it take you all to agree to matching Twitter avatars?
1: <laughs> um so it didn't take very long. Uh, my uh, my editor, Juliet Capra, she I had been talking to her that, you know, I had a bunch of new pitches and this was about a year ago, maybe a little longer, um, more like February, but I told her like, yeah, I have all these pitches and I'm, I just need to find artists. And she was friends with Ted and Rowe, So they were looking for something to work on that they could really sink their teeth into. So I sent them a couple pitches, uh, one of which was cold war, um, and the other was crowded and they, they instantly gravitated towards Crowded. So uh, from there, it was, you know, I asked them who they wanted to work with coloring-wise, and they said Trina. And then we got our letter. Like, the whole team came together really effortlessly. And, you know, we sort of officially started work this summer. And um, we're just about done with the third issue. So we're hopefully going to solicit it soon, and it'll be out towards the end of summer
0: awesome um apart from comics you've got, you have uh, you mentioned the, the clown motel zine earlier you know you've, you've kind of had this second literary life as, as a documentarian of sorts you know uh, you spend a lump, month living in the clown motel you've got mm-hmm. another book about your mother's uh, neighbor's attempts to install a pool and then of course coffee shop dogs which, sure by the way are is you know, if you're not following, uh, at xtop on Twitter, that, that is, that is one of the joys of following Chris is, is all the pictures of coffee shop dogs. Um, how do you go about choosing your
1: subjects? (laughs) Uh, literally any dog that shows up really, and that I can get, you know, a photo of, uh, I never, the, the trick with coffee shop dogs is I never ask if I can take a photo. So it's always got to be like a creeper photo. Um, (laughs) and I've got to do it just uh, like i never want to reveal to the owner that i'm taking pictures of their dog i i don't know why either i'm sure they'd all be totally fine with it but um it's just part of the game now is like can i get a good photo without making it clear and the i guess the other rule is i never pet the dogs um just because like i i don't i don't know how feel, people feel about you petting their dogs unless the dog's super into it uh then i just Throw that convention aside. Um, But, yeah, pretty much, like, any dog anywhere that I can get a reasonably good photo of. um, I'm not allowed to have dogs in my apartment. So this is kind of – I live vicariously through the dogs I run across in my wanderings.
0: Any uh, particular favorite breed?
1: Uh, I don't know the breed. Like, there are definitely dogs – uh, that are in the zine that I am a big fan of. And usually those ones get like double page spreads in the zine. So if, if you ever look at it, it's pretty easy to tell like which dogs are my favorite. Cause I give them a lot of coverage. Um, but yeah, I'm bad at breeds. I mean, I think pit bulls are personally my favorite. Like that's the dog I want to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause they're just like big, uh, block who are just full of dumb affection, which is, You know, but also they could like mess somebody up if you need them to. So
0: that's true. Uh, I have a pair of uh, miniature dachshunds myself.
1: Oh, uh, well, yeah,
0: (laughs) those won't mess anybody up. But uh, no, (laughs) but they bark a lot, at least. But the old, yeah, the older one barks a lot. And the and the younger one who we adopted just two years ago is is really sweet, but also really dumb.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I love a dumb dog like, uh, you know. Uh, it it makes me feel like I'm actually doing them a service instead of just keeping them captive.
0: Um, you tweeted just today that uh, comics is glory one day, smashing into rocks the next. Uh, it's very it's it's kind of a very like Jack Kirby kid comics will break your heart type thing. <laughs> sure. Um, can you expand on that on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just like. Uh
1: it's any, you know, sort of creative endeavor. I think it's not just comics, but you know, comics is what I do. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, like, you know, yesterday was new comic book day and I had the Ghost Rider one shot come out and everybody seemed to dig it and that was great. And then today it's like, all right, back in the trenches, like, here's a million things I got to do. And, you know, like, and also like, you know, at the same time, like you're seeing books get announced and you're like hmm well like uh nobody asked me to work on that book like it's just like you spend so much time in your head that occasionally you sabotage yourself and you're like well what about me like uh like where do I fit into all this which is never a good train of thought to go down but you know I'm a uh, I have clinical depression so it happens now and then where I just kind of hit like a wall with comics and i'm just like oh this is so frustrating like say i feel like i you know i mean i feel like i've broken into comics but i don't know that i really have a career in comics yet like i don't feel that secure yet so every now and then it like kind of hits me you know i just like get hit with a wave of nerves um and today's like one of those days where it's like oh cool i had this really big thing happen yesterday and now it's just like Oh, here's all the stuff I got to do for stuff that's not going to be coming out for, you know, six or more months. Um, It's just, you know, um, even on my best days, my brain is not the best uh, uh, accomplice.
0: Just thinking about that ridiculous Fantastic Four announcement today and and, uh, I'm kind of seeing it in a different light now.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's cool, like, uh, you know, and I'm definitely curious to see what it is, but it's also, you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, it's like, ah, I, I would love to do like this or that at, uh, at Marvel or DC. And, you know, it's like, I'm still like working my way up to that level, even though I've done stuff at Marvel and DC, like, it's all been relatively small stuff. I'm not on the level where... I could walk in and even like fathom getting a book like fantastic Four. nor would I know what to do with it. Like that's a book for somebody else. Um, but you know, it's just like, you get haunted by this stuff sometimes of thinking like, well, why not me? Like, uh, what did I do that? Like, and, and, you know, it's like in the end, uh, it's any creative endeavor, you know, you're up against a million other people and nobody's brain works the same way. And, so much of working at the big two is, you know, you're not sure what they want um, until you hit it. Like, because uh, they're not entirely sure what they want until they see it. So, so much of of all this whole life is just like a guessing game. It's like, do people want to read this? I don't know. I guess I'll put it out and see if they do. And if they don't, well, that was an interesting experiment. So. Um, you know, it keeps me humble, at least. Like, I never feel arrogant about comics. I never feel like I've got it all solved and, like, I'm set. Like, I'm constantly second-guessing and uh, sort of backbiting myself. So I feel like on that level, it's not the worst personality quirk I have. Um,
0: what is your – Um, what's your – because you do have you know you you've got kind of multiple books going on at once what is your workflow like on a given day you know how do you decide, how do you decide what you're working on when
1: uh really it comes down to what's what's most pressing um like yeah i have a whiteboard that basically i write down all the stuff sort of in descending order of like what's needed and then you know, on any given day, I'm really bad about writing during the days. And so I've kind of transitioned away from that. And I focus on doing graphic design stuff during the day. Mm -hmm. Um, and then at night it's just, yeah, whatever's really most pressing, like whatever needs to be on an editor's desk next gets, gets preferential treatment. And you know, I don't I don't juggle scripts, so I'm not like working on two things at once. I always just work on one script at a time, and when I'm done with it, then I move on to the next thing. So, uh, but usually I've done like a lot of prep work before I actually sit down to write a script. So I've done a lot of the heavy lifting. So ideally, I just kind of you know, once the sun goes down, I feel sort of ready to work, and I kind of just plug in and and try to write for three or four hours straight and if I'm lucky I can bust out like a good amount right then and yeah then I just like wake up and do it again so I'm forever trying to get caught up I'm nowhere close yet but that's a lot of what 2018 is for me is like trying to put some old projects to bed and get to a place where it's like oh I'm not panicking all the time about all the stuff I have to do
0: um do you have a lot of do you prefer to work with like a lot of background noise do you have a, or a, or a uh, kind of choice background noise
1: uh it varies um i i'm sure a lot of people would consider it a sin but like i definitely do writing while i have the tv on sometimes um like for the last two weeks i've been re-watching lost
0: yeah i saw that how is uh, how's the water cooler
1: show of yesterdecade holding up Not too badly, actually. Um, not as badly as I was anticipating. There's definitely, you know, a good amount of weak spots there, but, um, I think being able to just like shotgun it the way I'm doing sort of gloss is over. You don't have a week in between to be like, well, what the hell was that? Um, so yeah, I'm on the last season right now and I think, and it's starting to get a bit rough. So, uh, Uh, but it's also, it's a show that I saw when it was airing, so I know it pretty well so I can have it on and it's not something that's really going to distract me. Mm -hmm. Um, so sometimes I do that most times I'm listening to music and I like to curate playlists for all the creator owned books that I'm working on. So usually listen to that or I will just like go to a coffee shop and sit there with no headphones on. I like, I do like sort of the background ambiance of people in coffee shops, uh, for whatever reason, when I'm trying to work, that's kind of a perfect soundtrack for me. Cause I, I, my brain, I think works so hard to filter all that noise out that I slip into some sort of like writing zone that I can't do just by willing it.
0: Um, you know, in, in, in talking about lost, you know, kind of talked about like how, Shock you know, uh shotgunning it, uh kind of like you know, binging it takes away all the sort of like long pauses to kind of find the flaws. And I remember like seasons getting like dragged out and the writers strike and everything. Yeah. You know, it, it really does it's it's almost like when you it's like reading a book in, you know, a comic in trade versus like, you know, reading it on a monthly basis. It does kind of take out those, you know nobody ultimately no one's going to remember if a book was double shipped or was a month behind, but you know, they kind of remember the story.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, yeah, I think it lost being removed from that whole atmosphere. And also, you know, just like everybody was speculating on like, what is, you know, the actual solution? What is the Island Blah, blah. And like, there's none of that now. So, um, So, yeah, it kind of takes all the pressure away from it and you're able to just sort of enjoy it. I mean, the the thing with me was like I didn't realize just how much Lost had kind of uh, (laughs) like bled into me. Um, It wasn't until I started rewatching Lost that I realized like, man, like if if I'd never watched Lost, I probably never would have written Cold War because Cold War, now that I have been rewatching Lost, is like, oh, I basically I'm writing Lost except it's set in the future uh, with, like, severed heads and stuff instead of on an island. Huh. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, I I didn't realize I was doing it at all. But, yeah, like, you know, I have flashbacks for, you know, every issue focuses on a different character, and we have their flashback that sort of paints their old life and how it influences their their current life in this war. And I was like, oh, man, like, I'm basically – yeah, like, yeah. I didn't even realize I was writing Lost. Uh but I was writing Lost. Um
0: talked you talked about music too, and uh I know you used to write reviews for, for Pitchfork. What are what are some of your uh your your musical faves?
1: Oh man. Um I don't know. I'm so scattershot lately. There's not a I'm trying to think of like I mean I think like right now like there's a band out of uh, Louisville called uh, White Reaper, who I really like. Um, there's a uh, there's a new Churches album coming out, which I'm very excited about. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of all over the map. I mean, the thing doing these playlists is sort of how I keep myself slightly musically relevant because I find it very easy to just sort of backslide and listen to the same stuff that i would always put on so so yeah nowadays like i i tend to listen to just sort of i don't listen to albums as much i tend to sort of jump around song to song band to band um and you know occasionally something will hook me and i'll go and i'll listen to that for a while but yeah i think it's i don't know my relationship with music keeps changing so right now i'm very much on a uh on a shuffle basis with music.
0: I, I kind of, I think I reached the age where I kind of aged out of music. I mean, not that I don't enjoy it anymore, <laughs> but it's like, no, yeah. I have okay. this green iPod from like 2009 and there's definitely like an expert, like an expiration date of like 2006 or something on it as far as oh, what's yeah. on there.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I still have, uh, I mean, yeah, I have an iPod from, uh, um, well, I had to replace it cause I lost my old one, which I'm still heartbroken about, but, uh, I still have a 160 gig iPod that basically, yeah, has all my music up until about 2011. And then it just sort of screeches to a halt. Um, yeah, I think you just like, after a while you kind of have to, you can't be as intense about everything. So. I definitely feel like, uh, you know, there was a time where I was super intense about music, and I really love music still, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, like, scanning the pages to see, like, who's coming in concert this week, and I'm not, you know, uh, counting the days until, you know, usually I find out that an album's out, like, two weeks after it came out, so, uh, but that's fine, you know, I, I have to, I can't be, you know, uh, keyed up about everything in my life or I'm just going to be a husk uh, at the end of the day. So I'm much more casual with music these days, but it works for me.
0: The funny thing is I bought a lifetime subscription to Rolling Stone in
1: 2003.
0: So <laughs> I'm, get, I'm getting issues until 2053, whether I like it or not.
1: Well, at least you'll like sort of know who some of these people are. Like maybe they tend to put people like popular people on like more and more. I'm just like, well, I don't know who that is. And I'm just like, I'm too, I'm too indifferent to go look it up. So, so you've got a pipeline at least like every month you see who was cool. Uh, two months ago. True. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: you're pretty good at calling out shitty behavior on social media. Uh, generally how's the atmosphere for, for you online and, and sort of interacting with, uh, you know, fans and, and randos.
1: Uh, pretty good. Um, I've definitely, I've sort of pulled back from my, uh, there was definitely a a period where I was getting a little aggro on Twitter and kind of going after politicians and pundits a lot. Um, which brought all sorts of garbage to my doorstep. Um, And then, and then, you know, yeah, I've done, I've done some calling out of comic stuff and that whole, you know, um, uh, troll segment of comics, which was not great, but uh, honestly, like, you know, it's for me, it hasn't been bad, but it's because I am a, a cis white dude. And I think they just, they don't know, what to do with me. Um, cause, cause I look like them and ostensibly I should be like them, but you know, I, I speak out about, uh, you know, the fact that like, I like diversity in comics and I support, uh, you know, um,
0: the, the actual concept of diversity in comics as opposed to the YouTube channel, diversity in
1: comics. Yes. Sorry. I'm so, yeah, I, I've, didn't even realize yeah um yeah no i don't support that but yeah i mean i think you know like comics is is only getting better and the more different voices we have doing them um just makes it better like i mean and this ties back to what i was you know like the sort of like hitting the rocks part is like i would love to see like someone come in and do some of these books at Marvel and DC who has not been given a chance to like, I would love to see some new voices show up and see what they do. And, you know, I, I find it hard to care about a lot of these core characters because they've been around for, you know, 50 plus years. And, you know, this stuff keeps it interesting and, you know, it's comics at the end of the day. Like that's what comics does is like, they, they try tons of stuff and some of it sticks and some of it doesn't and I don't see the point point. and like well we shouldn't even try uh you know let's just like stick to the same thing we've been doing for the last 40 years um so yeah I mean I definitely uh I have trouble sort of biting my tongue at times um most of the like comics trolls I've blocked uh, like I ran a blockchain on them months and months ago, so I don't even really get any pushback. I'm definitely the target of a couple people who are conspiracy weirdos who think I have some sort of power in this industry to blackball people, which I find hilarious because if I had that kind of power, I'd be doing a lot more uh, big name work. Uh, so, you know, it's like, I don't know, I but I can't quit i'm just too addicted and and i like i like the accessibility of twitter i like that somebody can show up and be like hey i really loved your ghostwriter i thought that was super cool and so for for all the downsides uh like i'm still there and i i still look forward to it but again like you know i know friends of mine in comics who are getting it so much worse uh from, from that end of the pool. So I kind of have the luxury of being like, well, yeah, people suck, but you know, what are you going to do? I mean, I'm, uh, I try to do my best to call it out at least. So, um, I don't know to not normalize it to uh, it. Yeah. I don't know. It's so weird. I never thought I'd be like embroiled in any of this stuff. Like I just want to make books
0: it's weird that it's that it exists at all but you know i mean there is i mean there's toxicity in every fandom it just it feels like the shittiness in comics fandom is kind of come to a head recently but oh yeah yeah
1: yeah and you know like i i you know i was there for GamerGate, so i saw that go down so i'm not surprised that you know they're attempting something like that in comics but you know It's like, at the end of the day, they're too late. Like, they should have showed up 10 years ago if they wanted to make this argument. Like, at this point, it's the the horse is out of the stable. You're not going to convince Marvel or DC to walk that back because they've already walked it out. So, yeah, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. Um, If this is the price you have to pay for you know, if I this is the price I have to pay for like, you know, getting to talk to people who read and like my stuff, then then I'm willing to pay it. But um yeah, I also realize I'm paying a much lower price than a lot of people. So Mm -hmm.
0: you know, and 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 the the shame of it all, that you know, the thing that I, I think some of these people aren't seeing is that it's like you said, you know, we are sort of in a golden age as far as choice in comics. Like if you look outside the big two, there are so many Kind of small press publishers now that are each kind of staking their claim and and doing cool you know cool shit. Now that we've got like Aftershock and Vault and and you know these sort of like you know that that crop of publishers that have come up recently, you know. Yeah, your your, I mean, your story. If it's not you know if it's not at the big two, it is somewhere.
1: Right, and you know if there's a book you don't like, like there's plenty of books you will like. I mean, there's not. You know, everybody keeps acting like if if this choice is made, then that means a choice is getting taken away from me. Um, It's the same as like when people freak out about like a remake getting announced. It's like, oh, you're ruining it. It's like they're not going to come and take away your old copies of this thing. Like you will still own it. You could still enjoy it. Like, but they're just making a new one. Um, And, yeah, I think people just like – are like well this exists so that means something that that uh, I like does not exist and it's like no that's not really how it works um you know but yeah i mean fandoms are weird uh i certainly have gotten pretty intense about some of my fandoms not to the degree where i was like going out and attacking people but um i understand enthusiasm up to a point
0: absolutely um what are you, what are you reading right now
1: huh um yeah, right now I'm like so deep in the weeds. I uh, The only thing I'm reading right at the moment is I'm reading a book about the Lufthansa heist um, that was featured in Goodfellas. Um, but yeah, it's like a new book that just came out a month or two ago, and it's kind of the most up-to-date version of of what went down. So I've always kind of known about that thing, but I never really knew... I mean, I mostly knew about it through Goodfellas, so I don't know a lot of the details. So, um, so let's see. I got that. I'm uh, <clears throat> comics wise. I uh, let's see. I got a stack that I just took out from the library. Uh, I have uh, Grant Morrison's Multiversity. Um, I have the first volume of Moon Knight the Warren Ellis, Declan Chalvey one. Oh, nice. uh, oh and then I have Warren Ellis Karnak. And, and then the one I'm most excited about is uh, this book called uh, Nod away by Joshua Cotter, um, who is just like insanely talented uh, cartoonist from, uh, from the Kansas city area. And he put out this like 200 page uh, sci-fi Thing I think Fantagraphics put it out, and he's working on the second volume now. Um, but the dude's, like, super prolific and just has, like, a lot of big, interesting ideas about how to do comics. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of – and then I, I read most uh, – the majority of stuff I'm reading is, like, stuff that my friends send me that they're putting out, um, which, you know, that's, like, one of the perks of working in comics is getting to read uh, comics early – Uh, but yeah, I'm kind of at a point where it's like, please just send me books to read because otherwise I'm not going to, my stack of like back issues that I need to read is, is ridiculous. Um, as a case in point, I, I didn't read saga until last year. So (laughs) Uh,
0: how, how deep into it are you now?
1: Um, I got right. Let's see. I mean, I, I got pretty deep, um, I think it was right before i can't remember um but yeah i mean i got about like 30 plus issues into it and i think it's great and i totally get why people love it but yeah it was just one of those things that was like i just had like those trades stacking up and i was like i'm gonna read you i swear uh and then you know it's like with any uh, anything like you just keep buying more of that thing and then you lose track of of what it's a nightmare really um i'm just trying to get caught up enough to be able to like get back to reading for pleasure on on a more regular basis
0: yeah everybody has that stack I, i've got i've got a pile of trades somewhere i, I think i hit it for myself actually <laughs> <laughs> which which is probably all to the good It'd make me more productive that way
1: <laughs> yeah i keep mine out to shame me to be like look look at what you've spent all this money on and you haven't even touched it like monster
0: yeah I, I've got I've got a copy of uh, Mark Grunewald's squadron supreme around here somewhere that's I, I can't look at it because it's just judging me
1: yeah yeah uh, but yeah that's that's my goal for the rest of the year is to get caught up enough that I can start I want to decimate this pile I want to get back to the point where it's like oh cool I don't have anything to read so I gotta go pick it up on Wednesday and like read it right there yeah
0: um, well, I mentioned some of your books at the top of this podcast, uh, Throb," Cold War, uh, Shanghai Red, and uh, uh, Crowded at this point. Is there anything else that uh, people should be looking for at this point?
1: Um I just wrote two issues of Harley Quinn that'll be those will be coming out in June, uh, which I'm pretty happy with that. And let's see. Uh, oh, I have a book from uh, Black Crown coming out in August called House of Muck. Awesome. Which, which is a five-issue horror book um, about a family going insane together. Um, and Sean McManister, who um, is a genius and has been working in comics like um, for a really long time. So, like, he's just it's kind of effortless for him now to just like knock it out of the park. So that'll be really cool. And then, um, I'm going to do another Kickstarter in like a month or two to try and wrap up this book, the death defying that we started last year, which is a book all about, uh, uh, Harry Houdini and Arthur Conan Doyle, um, sort of chasing each other around the globe to stop the world from ending. Oh, that sounds awesome. That's pretty fun, yeah.
0: Well, uh, Christopher Sabella, I really appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Yeah, you too.
0: That's it for this week's show. Don't forget to follow Christopher Sabella at X-T-O-P on uh, Twitter. And uh, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote. And check out the site this week. We've got uh, Matt Lazowicz just contributed a piece on uh, history of Catwoman uh, in Solo series uh, based on DC's announcement this past weekend at C2E2 that Joelle Jones is going to be writing and drawing a Catwoman ongoing. Uh, If you saw the cover for that, it looks like it's going to be awesome. So uh, check that out. And for more great comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views, uh, wmqcomics.com. Thanks, and we'll talk to you next week.